morning, everybody. And everybody on live stream, good morning. So please, you can join us. Now, it's my great joy to be able to introduce to you Stuart, Stuart Watkins. But also, Ben's with us today. Now, Ben and Beth lead the Antioch Church. And the Antioch Church was founded at the same time, really, wasn't it? It was the same period of time as Cornerstone Church. We're part of the same network, Pioneer Network. And Stuart is going to speak to us, was one of the founding leaders of that church. And we have known Stuart, Sarah and I have known Stuart for more than 30 years. And he is a very, very dear friend of ours. He is a fantastic ministry. Adam and I, we traveled to Bulgaria with Stuart, didn't we, to a pastor's conference and teaching on the prophetic and I've been to Bulgaria with you twice and been to remain with you a couple of times is that right once or twice I can't remember it all together but we've done some great things and I just want to say you're in for a special treat he is an amazing man of God he is a good friend I recommend him to you and let's give him a warm welcome what's he talking about <laughs> I always worry when you go to these places and you get this the most amazing welcome and you think, oh, I've got to try and live up to that, but I do my, I do my very, very best. It's, it's great to be here this morning. Thank you for inviting me. I know it's partly because Adam had a fire. Um, so the, the lengths you have to go to to get out of speaking um, is, um, is, is quite incredible. Well, I was sharing, uh, what I'm going to share this morning, I was sharing at the New Wine Gathering in Clanthlia a couple of uh, weeks ago, weeks ago, and that, uh, at, uh, Matthew was talking about the Imagine Heaven series that many of you are doing, and we've, we've signed on to that as well, because it, it really does look like a fantastic tool and something quite amazing. And uh, I remember back a few years ago, there was a song, I Can Only Imagine, You've got to be of a certain age probably to remember that song. But anyway, we had the CD of that song in our car. And we were traveling somewhere. I have a wife who's named Liz or Elizabeth. And we're traveling and the song comes on. This, um, I can only imagine. It's a great song. And I turned to my, to, yeah, I must have turned to my left if I was driving. I turned to my left and, and she's crying. And I'm thinking, oh, she's having this amazing moment with God. And I said, are you Okay. And she said, yes. I said, well, what's happening? So I'm just imagining playing that song at your funeral. <laughs> and I thought, it's a great song. <laughs> but I don't ever remember asking for that song at my funeral. And anyway, why are you imagining my funeral in that moment? But anyway, these, these moments with husband and wife sometimes happen, and they're quite funny. You know, you're talking about the presence of God, and I want to speak into that, into that, and I know this is the series you're doing. And I was just thinking as I was sitting there this morning, what we focus on always increases. It's true in the natural. If you focus on something that you're worried about or concerned about, often the problem can increase because you're focusing on it. But I believe the same is true in the spiritual that when we focus on something, whether it's an aspect of God, an aspect of his character or nature or Jesus, the Holy Spirit, whatever we focus on, our, our awareness of it increases just because our focus and our attention is on it. And so as you're doing this series on the presence of God, the reality is there will be an increasing 
nature of the presence of God and increasing awareness of the presence of God because we're focusing on something that is so vital for us individually and corporately, the presence of God. I want to ask you a question this morning and I don't expect you to put your hand up and shout an answer out to me. But I do want you to be just considering this as we go through this this morning. What sustains you in life? Our world's been through a very challenging almost two years with COVID, restrictions, lockdowns. You know, I couldn't go and see my mother for, for months and months and months um, just on the phone. It was very challenging for her. It was very difficult for lots of people to be in isolation, to suddenly have to be in a bubble. What on earth was that? A few years ago, if someone had said to you, I'm in a bubble, you would have thought, okay, they need some help. Do they need some counselling? You know, we've been through a challenging time. So what sustains you? What, what keeps you going? What helps you to keep your head above water, as it were? What helps you to get through? What sustains you? Because we all need something in our lives that sustains us, that keeps us going. We have a very interesting story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it's concerning David. Now, David's one of my favorite Bible characters. I have three sons. My oldest is called David. We partly named him after David in, in the Bible. So we get a very interesting story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Just so the quick context of it, David and his men, his mighty men, their families, etc. had all moved to a city called Ziglag. It had been given to them by the Philistines, and it was from there that they led raids against the enemies of Israel, convincing the Philistines that he was doing it for them. So the Philistines were going to go and fight Israel. Some of them wanted David and his mighty men to come along. Who wouldn't? These amazing men who were mighty and strong in battle. Some of them wanted David and his mighty men to go. Some of them didn't. Because they feared that when the battle came, David would turn against them. So they sent David and his men back home again. Now who were these mighty men? 1 Samuel 22 tells us they were everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. These were the men that David had gathered to him and he became captain over them. So they go back to Ziglag. These men go back expecting to go back to find their wives and children and families there. And when they get there in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 1, they discover that the city has been attacked. They discover that their wives, their children, their families, everyone had been taken. No one had been killed. They'd all been taken. It was desperate. It was awful. It was a terrible moment. And, David, and it says they wept, wept so much they had no more tears left. Imagine that. And then to make matters worse for David, his own mighty men, these men who were desperate and distressed and etc., who had been with him and he had trained and equipped and were these amazing people, they began to even talk about stoning him. So this is not a good day. This is not David's best day. He'd had better days. And then at the end of verse 6 in 1 Samuel 30, there's one little line which can easily be missed, but I think is really significant. It says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now it doesn't tell us what he did. Maybe he went away and put on one of Julian's messages from you know, a couple of Sundays ago and he listened to that and that encouraged him. Maybe he put a CD on. Obviously he didn't have a CD in that day, but David was a worshipper. 
So maybe he worshipped. We don't really know what he did. But whatever he did, it encouraged him in his spirit and soul and body that he was able to see this desperate situation redeemed. And they got the children back. They got the people back. They got everybody. So we don't know what he did. But he did something to sustain himself. He did something to, to encourage himself. He did something to strengthen himself in that desperate moment. So what sustains you? When you had the fire in your house, I can imagine it's quite distressing, it's quite upsetting, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult. What sustains us in those moments of life that helps us? I don't want to talk about the presence of God for, because for me, one of the things that sustains me and keeps me going in life is the presence of God. Not just the presence of God in a meeting, which is wonderful and beautiful and powerful, but the presence of God in my everyday walk of life, where that sometimes is very mundane. Life isn't always exciting. Sometimes there's just ordinary mundane things we have to do, and yet God's presence can infuse those moments, and they can be glorious. In the Philip's translation of Colossians 1, verse 27, it says this. The secret is simply put, Christ in you. Yes, Christ in you, bringing with him the hope of all the glorious things to come. I read this quote recently. It's not my quote, it's someone else's quote. Thinking and talking about the presence of God. It says this, my starting point is that we are already there. We cannot attain the presence of God because we are already in the presence of God. What is absent is awareness. We have nothing to attain or learn. We do, however, need to unlearn certain things. When I was a young Christian growing up, and I'm not sure that my church preached this or communicated this, but it's what I took from what was being said. I imagined, here I am, here and the presence of God is over there where Matthew's sitting you know there's the presence of God it's glorious it's wonderful it's beautiful it's amazing and if I pray hard enough if I work hard enough if I attend enough meetings if I look holy enough I might just catch a glimpse a glimmer or the hem of the presence enjoy that for a moment and then it's gone again and I'm back to starting again to working hard to praying hard to doing everything and then I might and it's this constant sort of in and out, in and out, in and out. And then I'm feeling bad because I don't think I've prayed enough. I don't think I've worshipped enough. I don't think I've loved God enough. And so maybe I don't get the presence. That's what I felt. That's what I thought. That somehow the presence was something I was pursuing that was always one step ahead of me. So however hard I pursued, however hard I ran, however hard I did stuff for God, I never quite made it. And I discovered over the years, there's a lot of people that feel that. They look at someone else who seemingly is enjoying the presence and they disqualify themselves. They say, oh, I, I could never experience what they're experiencing. That somehow they've, they've learned something which I haven't learned and they've obtained something which I can't obtain. And we don't enjoy the presence. But simply put, Christ in you. Christ is in you. In the Old Testament, it was a tent where the presence of God was. For us, it's us. We are the dwelling place. We are the tabernacle. God has come and inhabited us with his presence. And so what's lacking is awareness. That's what I felt. That's what I thought. But I've learned and learning that actually I have nothing to attain. What's lacking 
is awareness. There's an old uh, monk from many years ago called Brother Lawrence, and if you've heard of him, uh, I've got a book at home about practicing the presence of God. I was in Bulgaria. I used to go to Bulgaria quite a lot. I was in Bulgaria, and I was in a meeting, and I talked about practicing the gifts of the Spirit, practicing the work of the Holy Spirit, and I got told off by the elders afterwards in a very stern way, said it was terrible that I told the congregation that the Holy Spirit needed to practice. I said, sorry, I didn't say that. I didn't say the Holy Spirit needs to practice. He is, he is amazing at what he does. The issue is us. The issue is us becoming comfortable and learning you know, and, and, and practicing for us so that we can become more comfortable with who he is in us, not... Allowing him, we don't get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, you need another day of practice today. You did okay yesterday, but it wasn't quite good enough. So can you practice a bit more today and get a bit better? No, no, no. It's not the Holy Spirit who needs to practice. It's us who need to become comfortable and aware of the presence of God and what that means for our lives. So Brother Lawrence, and it was said of him that crowds used to come and watch him when he washed up and did the dishes. Have you ever had a crowd turn up to your house when you've done the washing up? In fact, in my house, if I ever wanted to get rid of my kids when they were little and younger, all I had to say was, who wants to help me with the washing up? And then they were Linford Christie, Usain Bolt, they were gone. And it was just me in the dishes. So no one ever came to observe me washing up. But it says of Brother Lawrence that people used to come to watch him. What were they watching? They weren't watching him do the washing, the washing up. What they were observing is a man who was aware of the presence of God in the simple moments of life and therefore washed up with an awareness that he was doing it in the presence of God. It wasn't that he probably washed up really well. It was more that he understood that God's presence wasn't this thing over here that we were trying to run to and get to. God's presence was with us, and therefore I can do the washing up in the presence of God. He said this, Lift your hearts to him during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out loudly, he is nearer to us than we think. You don't have to shout to get God's attention. I've spent many uh, over the years involved in deliverance ministry at times. And we sort of had this thought that when you were praying for someone to be delivered of something, you needed to shout really loudly. The authority and shouting were the same thing. And I've realized over the years that authority is authority, shouting is shouting. And there may be a time to shout, but actually what's important is the authority that we have and live in and walk in. So he's nearer than we think because he's Christ in us. Bill Johnson, who I listen to occasionally, Bill is a senior leader at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And Bill talks of it, the presence like this. He says, it's, it's, it's like turning the affections of your heart towards him. And what he, what he means by that is you're going through your day School run, shopping, you know, what we're having for tea tonight or whatever. You're going through your day and often in those moments we become unaware that we're living and walking and, and breathing the presence of God. And he says it's like stopping and I like to do things physically as well as almost spiritually. It's like I'm going here 
but I'm just going to stop and I'm just going to turn. And as I turn, I'm turning the affections of my heart towards him because scripture says, fix your eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith. And so as I turn, I'm turning, but I'm turning my heart, I'm turning my affection onto him. And in those moments where I become aware that he is focusing his attention on me and together we connect and we meet and I enjoy the presence of God and then I turn back and I carry on with my day. But those few moments have made me aware and connected me with the presence of God that's living in me. One of the Hebrew words for presence is translated face. Face. When you're having a conversation with someone and it's face to face, it's close, it's intimate. You know, sometimes it's a bit... My, my wife, when I first met her, Liz, she's, she, when, she, when you're talking to her, she's very intent. And she stare like this at you. And it was a little bit disconcerting when we first met. Because I'd be just talking about... Although the only thing that turned her away was talking about football. So I soon learned that if I talked about football, she just switched off. So, you know, it was quite a good thing. But, but when I was talking to her, she would, like, intently look towards me. Looking into my face. When you're having a conversation that's face-to-face, it's close, it's intimate, it's personal. One of the translations of the word presence is face. We get that passage in, in, in Numbers chapter 6 that came that song that was so, so many people connected with during lockdown about the blessing of God. And it says about him turning his face towards us. When we know God's presence, it's like God's turned his face towards us and we've got his attention we've got his focus he's with us he's present and for us you can be you know you can I watched a film a few years ago and it was a it was a film about dating not that I needed to at the time but it was a film about dating and and meeting someone and this young man came I think it was Will Smith was the lead uh, actor in it and this young man came and wanted some tips about dating or going out on a date with this lady. And, and Will Smith said to him, when she's in the room, be in the room. And the young man's like, what? And he explained what he meant. When she's in the room, be in the room. In other words, you can be with someone, but not with them. Because you've got your phone, you're checking your Facebook, how many likes you've had. So you're in the room with someone, but you're not with them because your focus and attention is somewhere else. When God's with us, when God's present, we need to be present with the presence. We need to be present with him. In Exodus 33, we get a wonderful chapter, Exodus 33, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And it talks about Moses, and Moses sets this tent up just outside the camp. And it says that when Moses left his tent to walk to this tent, everyone else came and stood at their door and watched Moses because they knew that Moses was going to meet with God. And when Moses got to the tent, God came down. There was a visible sign of God coming down. And so God would come down, Moses would go that way, and when they got there, they would meet. And it says, I think it's in verse 11, that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with a friend. When we speak with God, when we think about God's presence, it's God speaking face to face with us as man speaks with his friend. God's presence is not some magic genie that we keep in a bottle till a problem comes. Oh, I've got God's presence, so I just put that there as, you know, as something I can draw on if I need to. 
Oh dear, I'm in a problem. Oh, I go to my genie bottle, I take off the lid, I bring out the presence of God. It helps me in that moment. And then when that moment's gone, I put him back in the bottle and I carry on again. God's presence is not a genie in a bottle that we call out when we're in trouble. God's presence is something that abides and lives and flows with us. So whether we're in trouble or we're in a good place, the presence of God is with us. It's not just for wonderful meetings. I've been in some amazing meetings, some wonderful meetings over the years where the presence of God has been so powerful. The presence of God has been so strong. It's so incredible. I remember a meeting years ago in Bulgaria where we sang and we sang the same song. The poor worship team, every time they finished, I said again. Every time they finished, I said again. We, we just sang and sang and sang and sang. And as we sang a song, God just came and people started being healed. People started being touched by God. Miracles started breaking out. No man laying hand on anybody. Just God's presence breaking out. A tangible awareness, if you like, of the presence of God. But it's not just for those moments. It's not just for those meetings. It's for the everyday. It's for the school run. It's for the shopping run. It's for the just going for a walk run time. God's presence is God's presence. It's present with us all the time. What's lacking is our awareness of the presence of God. And we can encounter him in, in, at any particular moment. We have a dog uh, in our family called Benji. Lovely little thing. I've come to love him, you know. But we, my, well, I've got three boys and my middle son, Daniel, always wanted a dog when he was little. According to him, we ruined his childhood because we wouldn't allow him to have a dog. But anyway, so we, we eventually gave him a dog. And then he went off to university in Cardiff and left us the dog. <laughs> Tends to happen with kids, you know. Anyway, I'm walking this dog one day, and, and Clasley does have some... You, do, you know, popular opinion would tell you no, but it's true. We have some of the most beautiful places in the world in Clasley. And I'm walking the dog in one of these areas where I'm walking on a sort of up bit and I'm looking over to the gow. The sea is blue. The gow is over there. It's beautiful, but I'm moaning and complaining to myself about walking this dog. So my focus is on the dog. My focus is on the ground. I'm moaning and complaining. And then the Holy Spirit, who's incredibly practical, speaks to me and says, you better start enjoying this because you're going to do it for a long time. <laughs> and it literally stopped me in my tracks. Literally, and I looked up and I suddenly went, isn't this beautiful where I am? Isn't this, didn't the gower look like, you know, and suddenly I realized I'm in a beautiful location where God's creation speaks, because God doesn't just speak through people, God can speak through creation and nature, and I'm missing that because I'm preoccupied with complaining about walking the dog. And it changed my attitude in that moment. And now, one of the loveliest things I do every day is walk the dog. It's a precious hour. Just me, the dog. I can talk, I can pray, I can meet people. I'm connected with dog, other dog walkers. I have some amazing conversations. But it changed because the Holy Spirit challenged me on an attitude that was causing me to miss where I was and what God was speaking Matthew mentioned Psalm 139 last week. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. Verse 3, you're intimately aware of me. It's impossible, verse 11, for me to disappear from you. Every single moment you are thinking of me. My wife, I have a wife, Liz, and she works as a mental health mentor for students at one of the universities. 
And so she gets allocated students, she meets with them an hour or two hours every week. Does an amazing job. I picked up one of her books uh, a while back, and it was called Mindfulness. So I was interested, because I thought, if this is working, I, I'd like to understand a little bit of what they're doing. And so I picked up this book on mindfulness, and mindfulness is really helping people to connect and pay attention to their experiences in the present moment. Because if you're struggling with your anxiety and your worry, you're mostly preoccupied about what's to come. You're worried about that meeting you've got to do. You're worried about that essay you've got to finish. You're worried about that conversation you've got to have. You're, you're preoccupied with tomorrow, next week, next month. You're not giving attention. You're not enjoying the moment. So mindfulness is helping people to connect in the moment. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. And then I discovered, just by chance, as I was uh, scrolling through the internet, looking up mindfulness, I discovered Christian mindfulness. And the essence of Christian mindfulness is create, cultivating a conscious awareness of the presence of God, even in the everyday moments of life. Cultivating an awareness, a consciousness of the presence of God in our everyday moments of life. And I just, since I, I, I read that, and it was something I was trying to do anyway, but I became much more aware of the importance of it. And so, so for me now, there's just, as I said at the beginning, when we focus on something, it's, we become more aware of it, we, it, we get more of it. Now I'm enjoying the presence of God, even in those mundane moments, to the point that sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm washing up or I'm doing something that we could see as mundane, and I'm suddenly aware that I'm just lost in the presence of God. And it's wonderful. And it makes doing it so much nicer. It makes doing it so much nicer and so much more glorious because I can do it and enjoy God at the same time. So that's mindfulness. And, it, and, and, and in, that, in the uh, thing, it gave lots of little exercises that we could do that, that can help that. We haven't got time this morning to go over that. But there are a number of things that we can do. Silence being one of them. I don't think we like silence. As a, as, a, as a society, often that's why we have Facebook and Spotify and all these other things that we, you know, we have on in the background because we don't like silence. But there's something about silence, there's something about stillness that can be so powerful. You know, be still and know that I am God. There's something about stillness and silence that actually can unclutter our thinking and our minds and make us present in the presence and we can enjoy God. There's a song that I, I listened to in the car, and I, I, as I was listening to it the other day, I wrote the words down of some of it. There's nothing worth more than whatever come close can compare your our living hope, your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence, Lord. In God's presence. We can become undone in God's presence. We've become vulnerable in God's presence. We can allow the... The stuff that we even don't like about be open and real because when we're in God's presence and God's love and God's acceptance of us, we can allow some of that stuff to be undone so that God can undo it so that he can renew it and make us more like him in his presence. His voice, Elijah or Elisha, I always get those two confused, thought that God was in the thunder, thought that God was in the earthquake. God wasn't. He was in the still, small voice. 
And sometimes we have to push, learn and practice the art of pushing everything else away so we can hear the still, small voice of God. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. There's something about the awareness and the reality of God's presence that gives joy even in the midst of trouble. The joy of the Lord, it says, is our strength. That doesn't mean we don't have trouble. That doesn't mean we don't have challenging moments. But in the midst of those moments, we have a joy that the world looks at and thinks, what have they got that we haven't got? In that verse, in, in translation of, uh, Passion Translation of Psalm 16, 8 and 9, it says this, and I'll close with this and then I'll pray. Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wrap around presence every moment. I love the pattern when it, create, when it translates that as wrap around presence. It's a bit like a cold day when you get a big blanket and you just pull it around you. And you feel warm, you feel comfortable, you feel safe. That's God's presence. It's like a big blanket. It's like something that wraps itself around us. Bringing hope, strength, joy, and peace. My confidence will never, for I experience your wraparound presence every moment. My heart and my soul explode with you, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure. The presence of God. We're not trying to attain it. We're not trying to run after it. We're not trying to be good enough to get it. We already have the presence of God. We're already in the presence of God. What we have to learn is turning the affection of our heart and becoming aware of the presence of God. And then every moment of every day, we live in that. And then those that come into our space begin to think, ooh, there's something about you. <laughs> it's a bit like Peter's shadow that healed people. There was something about the presence of God around Peter that even his shadow brought healing. There's something about the presence of God that when people come around us and we're living with that awareness, they too go, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> There's something about you. What is it? It's the presence of God. Because I'm in it, it's with me, and I'm becoming more and more aware. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that we abide in the presence of God. That's our starting point. It's not our finishing point. It's our starting point. We're starting from that place of your presence. Father, would you help us? Would you help us in our lives to just become so aware of your presence that even in the normal, everyday moments of life we can engage with and become aware of your glorious presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit. 
and we welcome you. And we want to learn to abide and dwell and live from that place of presence. In Jesus' name. Amen.